Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers Radio. And we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to live and think for yourself, not convert you. So, hey, guys, you know, the reason for this show is part two um, of the show that we did um, last Sunday. In that show, we talked about radicalism, revolutions or revolutionary movements, grassroots movements, so on and so forth. And, you know, it went a little bit longer than I had anticipated. So we wanted to do a part two so that we can talk a little bit more about some of the movements that have impacted our lives and influenced, you know, our, you know, perception of life. So I just thought it was important to do part two and have this out here. And last week we told you about some people that were, you know, kind of left out. When you when you when you hear people talking about the Black Power movement and the Civil Rights movement of the fifties and sixties, you hear you know pretty much the same people. So I threw some names out there last week of some people that had not gotten the recognition that they really deserved and. You know, there are quite a few more people that, you know, they were forgotten. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you some new names. Um, There was a young man by the name of Jimmy Lee Jackson. Again, Jimmy Lee Jackson. And, you know, when he died or when he was murdered, basically, you know, he gave life to the Voting Rights Act. Um, He was an Army veteran. And, you know, just go and look it up and see what happened. Um, yeah, just go and see what happened, you know, what happened to him. Because, you know, we don't want to forget these people. You know, they they paid a price, you know, for us to have some of the freedoms that we have now. So, you know, go and look, you know, do some research, and you'll see what happened to him with, you know, the state trooper, and, you know, how he was shot twice at point-blank range. And, you know, how all of this, you know, came about. There was a young man by the name of Clyde Kennard, K-E-N-N-A-R-D. Go back and see, you know, what happened with him. Again, I just don't want to leave these people out. The young woman by the name was Juliet Hampton Morgan, Again, Juliet Hampton Morgan, go and see what, um, you know, what her contributions were. And this was a white woman, you know. And, you know, you have people of all persuasions um, out here in solidarity with us throughout all of these movements and the ones that you see now, you know, some of our white allies. So, you know, again, go back, look that up. You have Reverend James Reeb, R-E-E-B. Again, Reverend James Reeb, and he was a white Unitarian minister. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why sometimes you'll hear me referring to the UU Church, because they definitely have played a part in social justice across this country in the past and currently. So, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's important to know this. And they do have black UU churches out there, as a matter of fact, at one point in time, and I believe this is still true, they're trying to open more black UU churches. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the UU church, generally is normally basically people like us, you know, humanists, um, atheists, agnostics, 
you know, some spiritual people in there, and it's just a variety of different people. So, you know, I don't want you to just rule them out because you'll see the word church in front of it, you know. So, yeah, go go look it up. Look up, this, you know, the history of the UU Church and social justice is really quite interesting. I finally got my book. I ordered a book talking about the black UU Church. And so, you know, hopefully I'll be able to do a show about that one day. Another person, Jonathan Myrick Daniels. Again, Jonathan Myrick Daniels. Go and, you know, do some research to find out, you know, what he did and his importance in this movement. And I'm just going to, you know, read off a few more names. Um, Viola Greg Liuzzo. Again, Viola Greg Liuzzo. L-I-U-Z-Z-L, go and, you know, look her up and, you know, just, it's it's just, it's important. When you get a chance, also look up Civil Rights Memorial in Montgomery, Alabama, and you'll see, you know, her name amongst the 40 martyrs of the Civil Rights Union, I'm sorry, Civil Rights Movement. So just go look that information up. It's important. You have Vernon Dahmer. Again, Vernon Dahmer, D-E, I'm sorry, D-A-H-M-E-R, Vernon Dahmer. And, you know, the businessman in Mississippi, go and look that up as well. You have O'Neill Moore, again, O'Neill Moore, O-N-E-A-L-M-O-O-R-E. Go look him up, Reverend George Lee. Again, that's Reverend George Lee. Look that up, and Harry and Harriet Moore, Harry and Harriet Moore, you know, this was, you know, a couple that was murdered during the Civil Rights Movement, and they were killed on Christmas Day. So, um, you know, go ahead and look that up. They placed a firebomb under these people's bedroom, and, you know, wow. So, yeah, go and look that up, and that happened in Mims, Florida. So it's just important for you all to understand and see, you know, what people have sacrificed to be, for us to have the rights or some of the rights that we have now. You know, there's debate as to whether we have any rights at this point. Um, It's just, you know, a lot of the progress that had been made been rolled back you know, it's been rolled back. So um, it's just it's interesting, you know, how this has come about and how we see history pretty much repeating itself at this point. And, you know, we do these shows to kind of give you all an idea and to encourage you to go out and do this research for yourself because, in order for you to really fully understand what's happening now, you had to see what happened then and understand what happened in between. So, you know, the black community amassed some wealth, and, you know, we've talked about towns and cities that were predominantly black, that were extremely prosperous and successful, and how those cities were pretty much looted, burned down to the ground, People were killed. People were chased out of town. You know, a lot of the land that, you know, the people of color owned, the white people took it for themselves, and they were destroying the land deeds. And even to this day, when some of those towns go through their archives and they find the land deeds, they're still tearing up that information because they don't want it out there. They don't want, you know, these, you know, black families coming back to to, um, claim their land which, you know, now is owned by white people. So it's just really interesting because given the current political uh, climate in this country, it's, you know, it's important for you guys to understand. And I know, you know, on a couple of shows I was talking about Black Lives Matter and, you know, I was talking about, you know, little parts that seem to be co-opted. So I just want to make sure that I'm more specific on that. I'm talking about people in groups like the new Black Panthers Party and, you know, trying to tether themselves to this movement. And it's being met with, you know, a lot of resistance from, 
you know, a lot of people, and I understand why, and I actually agree with it, because some of the statements that have been made by the new Black Panther Party are extremely problematic, and some of their actions um, just doesn't make any logical sense. So, I mean, that's one group that I definitely am distancing myself from. But, you know, they have many supporters out there. I wish them the very best. But I, I would just, you know, um, imp- you know, basically, I would like for you all to just take some time out, do some research, again, critical thinking here, and go from there. But, you know, I'm talking about groups like that. One of the interesting things, and I posted this on my wall because I spoke about it on the first show. I was talking about the Oath Keepers and how they were stating that they were going to arm 50 black men in Ferguson and march with them. So, you know, I said I wanted to go and look it up and get some more information, and I posted it on my wall because there was a big blow-up with the Oath Keepers, and basically you had, you know, the leadership there telling, you know, one of their spokespeople to stop with the rhetoric about arming 50 black men because that's what they wanted to do, but they wanted to make sure that the public knew that, you know, they were arming 50, quote-unquote, respectable black men and not the people that were out there looting and pilfering and, you know, that type. You know, they wanted him to definitely um, qualify his statements. And so it, it it turned into an inner conflict. They had some turmoil. And so he split off, and he has his own group now. So it's just it's really interesting. You know, guys, go out and take a look at that. And, you know, I'm keeping an eye on it because I am really interested in what's going to happen when they start that march. It's going to be... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what the response will be. You have the Huey Newton Gun Club, you know, and this is a, you know, a a responsible um, gun club. And, you know, they've been marching throughout Texas. And so, again, look and see see what's happening out here. And, you know, the, the gentleman that split off and started his own group, he basically charged the Oath Keepers' leadership with racism because, you know, quite a few former and current law enforcement officers are part of that organization. And, you know, from my understanding, what this gentleman said, they are quite racist, and basically he's charging the leadership of not basically not wanting to upset the racists within that organization because the leadership needs their money and their donations. So, you know, and again, we've talked about this, you know, across a number of different movements and organizations in which we know and we have seen and we've charged that leadership does not, you know, uh, basically scold or, or, or encourage their racist members to stop with the behavior, and the reason for it is because they need these people's money. So, you know, them generating funds and funding and money from these organizations is more important than, you know, trying to educate, you know, people as to why racism, sexism, homophobia, so on and so forth is wrong. You know, they'd rather just be silent on that. Um, As a matter of fact, Someone posted, you know, someone posted an article on my wall, and it was talking about the atheist community has a big sexism problem and that, you know, we need to help them fix it. And, you know, I made a comment about how the atheist community has a big racism problem, but nobody wants to talk about that. So, you know, I guess racism is okay, but sexism is a big no-no you know, because they want the money from the white women. It's just it's interesting. So, I mean, I know I have some people out there that have issues when I start talking about these things, especially in the secular community. But, I mean, what, I mean, it's obvious, you know. And so, 
you see these things happening and you start questioning why, and it all boils down to money, period. And this is something that we've been stating for a while. It's self-evident, and it, it doesn't look like it's going to change because, you know, these people, they have these agendas. And so, you know, it's interesting, but, you know, I just wanted to put that out there that, you know, we're paying attention to what's happening. And so, you know, I, you know, we talked about last Sunday, we talked about how you have these different organizations, these different movements latching themselves and tying themselves, tethering themselves to the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, what I find so interesting about it is, Initially, they had absolutely nothing to say about the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, You would hear things like, well, we need to get the whole story, or, you know, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. And, you know, and I heard a lot of this from, you know, people of color in this community. But now that some of these white organizations, larger white organizations, have given them the green light and the okay, now, some of the same people who would not touch social justice topics with a 10-foot pole, all of a sudden now they want to talk about it. And what's interesting is, you know, a couple of the people that they're getting coaching from is just, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And so, you know, there's more to come out about that. I'm not going to let that go anytime soon. So for those of you who are out there saying, I wish you would let that go, nope, 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 nope. That's not going to happen because, you know, again, you know, you see the bandwagoning, you know, happening with many of these movements. And, you know, like I said, what's interesting is some of these people, the majority of the people that I'm talking about, you know, were very silent on Black Lives Matter. They were very silent on what's happening. And actually they would get angry when people would, you know, try to ask them questions or tag them in posts, and they basically, you know, called it bullshit. But now, now that some of these larger white organizations are, again, bandwagoning and giving the green light, you see some of these same people now, you know, black lives matter. Now, why? Because the white people said it's okay. Now they matter. And it's only, you know, a handful of the white, you know, powers that be that have given it the green and white, but more so because, again, they're trying to attract people of color into their organizations. And, again, it goes back down to money. They want the membership fees. They want you to come to the conferences. You know, they'll put one or two tokens up there. And they don't pay them any mind. They don't pay them any attention. They're just happy that they met their quota. Said that last week. Say it again, this week is true. So, again, you know, I'm I'm just <laughs> putting the facts out there that, um, yeah, you know, you know, this is what's happening. So, anyway, we're going to talk about, you know, radical revolutionary and grassroots movements. Um, you know, I hit upon some of the ones from then and now. And, you know, I would just ask you all to go out and do some research on this. Um, It's just interesting because what we're seeing nowadays with the Black Lives Matter movement, which I 100% support, and I've supported them from the very beginning. So this is nothing new. And I've been there. I've been to meetings, went to their conference. I show up at rallies. I can't be at every one, but when I can, I do support them. I've given resources, financial resources, um, goods, so on and so forth. But, um, you know, Brittany Cooper wrote an article entitled Black America's Gaslight Nightmare, the Psychological Warfare Being Waged Against Black Lives Matter. And so basically Black Lives Matter is being demonized um, because of the unrelated murders of police officers. So there have been a couple of instances in which police officers have been killed, and you have these conservatives out here and these police unions who are trying to attribute these police officers' deaths to the Black Lives Matter movement. As a matter of fact, um, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, 
was saying that Black Lives Matter should be categorized as a hate group. And, of course, these are their talking points, you know, not only on Fox, but you'll hear some of these candidates for uh, President of the United States and, you know, other public figures, you know, trying to now change the narrative and state that the BLM movement is racist and, you know, a terrorist, you know, entity, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. And if you go back throughout history, you'll see, you know, how they tried to demonize and vilify the civil rights movement, the same thing with the Black Panther movement. As a matter of fact, they demonized the Black Panther movement so badly that people still believe to this day that it was this, you know, outlaw group that was trying to break the law, and you don't know the history of what they really stood for. And that's why I'm grateful that, you know, a movie is coming out that's putting everything in in the proper um, perspective and context. Because because of the Black Panther Party, this is one of the reasons why your children and grandchildren um, are able to have free breakfast at school. That was started by the Black Panther Party because they would feed the children before they went to school because the kids were hungry. You know, you see a lot of these local clinics, you know, in, in these neighborhoods now. And the Black Panthers started that. They were, you know, they had triage state stations in which they would, you know, help people patch them up, tell them what they needed to do to get medical help. You know, the WIC program, you know, women, infant and children, um, again, because of the Black Panther and, you know, just a lot of programs. I mean, even some of the kindergarten, Head Start kindergarten programs were influenced by the Black Panther Party. So, you know, and it's a lot more, a lot more, you know, and they do not focus on that when they're talking about the Black Panther Party. All they try to do is show these images of black people with guns or black men with guns, and, you know, they talk about what happened in Sacramento, California, when the Black Panther Party went with their weapons to the state, you know, legislature. And at that time, Ronald Reagan was the governor and it was just interesting because he had a vendetta against them. Because, see, the Black Panther Party was all about gun rights. They were all about the Second Amendment, you know, the right to, you know, bear arms. And the NRA, is, you know, the whole interesting thing about it is that then they wanted to limit, you know, gun ownership because of what they saw with the Black Panthers. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're like, you know, you should have a gun, gun ownership. But, again, I've, I've stated before, you know, we if we go out here and we do these marches, you know, showing, you know, that we believe in the Second Amendment as well, uh, I believe the NRA would change their <laughs> opinion again then. And so it's, it's just interesting, you know, the double standards, the, you know, the double talk that's happening you know, in American society. I just think it's important for you guys to kind of understand what's happening here and understand that there's a lot of propaganda out there. And, you know, like I said, with the gaslighting, that was actually a really, really good article. So if you get a chance, go out there and read it because, um, you know, Dr. Cooper did a really good job putting, you know, the information out there. And so I want to make sure that I'm clear you know, the murders of these officers, white officers, black officers, Latino, Asian, indigenous, that's inexcusable. You know, no one should be out here killing anyone. But what I find interesting is how they're trying to flip the script, especially in Texas, when that one Texas officer was killed and the police chief was up there and he was like, black lives matter, cop lives matter, all lives matter. Why can't we just say lives matter? And so what they're trying to do is dilute and downplay, you know, the, you know, basically the genocide that's happening with these police officers killing off poor people. And, and see, you know, we're saying black lives matter, but, you know, one thing that I have stated, you know, because I'm, you know, I try to be fair about these situations, but poor whites 
are being killed in the same manner as, you know, black and brown people. And they do not get a lot of press. And so I posted an article on my wall earlier this week. Just go through my wall. I've posted quite a bit this week, so it's a lot of interesting things up there. But in particular, there was this article about a young white man that was killed in South Carolina, and they were not, you know, the the, the, the public figures, the community activists, were not able to galvanize the same type of support for that white young man that they were able to galvanize for, um, you know, black and brown people who have been murdered by state violence. And so, you know, there was a big concern there. And I put that out there because, you know, they had black activists, you know, out there marching with them with the candlelight vigils and all of that. But, yeah, and, and that's where some of the conflict is coming in. And so I think it's important to, again, put this in the proper context because, you know, when you have some poor whites out here, you know, uh, basically complaining about the Black Lives Matter movement and they're saying, what about the white people that were killed by state violence? And then they say nobody cares about that. No, we do care about that. You know, it's, it's a problem. It really is. You know, and so, you know, we're going to have to find a way to kind of work together on these things. You know, that's just my opinion. You know, because, I mean, Black Lives Matter, that is a very valid charge because if all lives really mattered, we wouldn't have to be out here saying Black Lives Matter. And, again, that statistic has changed. It used to be one out of every 28 hours a black person, you know, would be murdered by the police. It's now one out of every 21 hours. And it's important for you guys to understand that, you know, and those are with the statistics um, most recently. So, you know, we're losing that fight. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I personally believe, again, I've stated this before, that we need to go and pick back up the Poor People's Campaign, which was the campaign that Martin Luther King Jr. was promoting right before his assassination. And that particular movement included everybody. It was an aggregation of all of the different races out here. So you had indigenous people, you had Asian people, you had Latino, mestizos, you had black people, you had white people. And if you go back again and look into that history, look up Tent City, you know, because they they put a Tent City right there in front of the White House. And so if you go back and you think, go all the way back to when Occupy Wall Street first started protesting. Remember, they were building these tent cities. So, you know, this is my way of trying to kind of tie in some of the past with some of the current movements so you all can understand where some of this came from and why it's important for you to understand that. But, yeah, I think we need to pick up the Poor People's Campaign. I've said that. For many, many years, I've said that we need, needed to pick up uh, and, and advocate for a new phase of the civil rights movement. And, I mean, and these are claims and charges that I that I made over a decade ago. And for those of you who know me, you know, I'd like to say hi to my friends and family that are listening. Um, you know, this is, you know, what I've been saying. I remember when I was a teenager and... We would have these big political debates in my family, and, you know, they would call me militant. But one of the things that confused them was that I was a young Republican, and they were all Democratic, but they said they had to give me points because I was able to argue my, you know, my platform or my my beliefs, you know, rather well. And so, you know, it's just interesting because you have a lot of young people out here, and, We talk to them, and sometimes, you know, some of their views are extremely strong. And that's all right. They have an opinion. You know, so sometimes it just gets to the point where the only thing you can say is, you'll see, live a little. And that's what happened to me. So, you know, I'm using myself as an example. Number one, I lived a little. 
and then some of the points and arguments that were made by friends and relatives and, you know, political pundits that, you know, I like. Because I still, you know, I, still, I listen to both sides, guys. And, you know, again, I lived a little. And when I got older, I started seeing things and understanding things and becoming a little bit more, you know, politically and culturally conscious, if you will. And no, I'm not part of that consciousness crew. You know, them no tepper ho teppers over there. No, those aren't my people. You know, and so I just wanted to make sure that I stated that for the case. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm nowhere, anywhere near part of that community. But when I say, you know, culturally conscious, what I mean by that is, you know, reading the history and understanding what was done to people of color and why it was done to people of color and how those same systems are still in place now. I posted an article or several articles this week talking about the prison industrial complex. One of the articles um, talked about seven corporations out there that benefit from the uh, prison industrial complex. And this is something that you've heard me stating since the beginning of this show because I've been talking about this, again, for well over a decade and um, how these companies and these corporations employ, they employ these prisoners for, you know, pennies on a dollar and sometimes nothing. Then they go into these prisons, they set up call centers, you know, and, and you have the people in prison, you know, working for these corporations. Yet, these same corporations will not employ them when they leave prison. It doesn't make any sense. You've already trained them. They've already shown that, you know, hey, they're they're willing to work. They can learn. They're willing to adapt. And I believe that is something that we need to start putting pressure on. We need to start protesting these same corporations that are, you know, profiting from, you know, prison labor. And... You know, I'm just sitting there, and I'm looking at everything that's happening. And, you know, and there are some people that are protesting these corporations, so I want to make sure that I um, stated that because there are some people out here that's bringing this to the forefront that are out here, you know, on foot protesting and, you know, appealing to their um, constituents to help them with these protests, you know, appealing to their you know, senators and reps, so state as well as federal, as to why there need to be changes. As a matter of fact, you know, there are different movements out here trying to take off even the boxes on applications as to whether a person has been convicted of a misdemeanor or felony, you know, because that should not matter. There's another movement out here that, um, you know, basically, you know, Oh, sorry about that. So there, there's another movement out here that's basically, you know, working with Department of Justice as well as other grassroots, you know, activists, basically trying to set it up so that, you know, once you've done your time and you're done and, and you have been released from state obligations, if you will, you know, you need to have your right to vote back. You need to have the ability to apply for financial aid to go back to school. You need to have the ability to go and apply for public assistance. I put an article up about that yesterday. And, you know, and many, many more rights that have been taken away from people that have been convicted of, you know, misdemeanors and felonies. You know, they've done their time. So all of their rights as an American citizen should be restored. And so you have these different movements out here. And, again, like we said last week, you know, some of the movements of the past were seen as absurd, idiotic, crazy, you know, impossible then. But now we consider it common sense. Well, of course, you know, you should have, you know, the right to a 40-hour work week. And, of course, you should have the right to overtime and, you know, just a number of things. And But that wasn't always the case. You know, they had children working in these factories, you know, an outrageous amount of time with little to no pay. You know, they didn't care about the children, you know, going to school and getting educated. And so 
you know, for those of you out there, if you know your your parents, you know your grandparents, great grandparents are around, sit down and have a conversation with them. Let them tell you what they went through. You know, there have been studies that have been, you know, released over the years about how trauma that has, you know, that your parents and grandparents, you know, experienced, how that is being passed down genetically. And, you know, I've talked about that before. I talked about the fear and, you know, the fear from slavery and and just the maltreatment of people of color how that's pretty much been passed down through the generations. And I still believe that to be true. And so, you know, I'm glad that these studies are coming out and corroborating, you know, some of these beliefs and, you know, again, putting the scientific theory, you know, you know, out there so that people can see, you know, this is not just those of us out here that are stating this. You know, now we have the science behind it. And that's important to understand. And so this is why sometimes when we talk about different subjects and, you know, specifically religion, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I have so much more compassion for, you know, people who are believers and spiritual people and, you know, that have these, you know, these fears. That's very real and I understand why. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons why I say that a lot of this is being passed down through the generations. You'll hear people charging believers with, you know, you know, every generation has said A, B, and C, and you're still holding on to that, and you'll have some believers saying, well, you know, this is what Mama and Big Mama taught me. You know, there's no reason why they would lie to me. And, you know, again, a lot of this, you know, these misunderstandings can be cleared up with just a civil conversation, you know, presenting evidence. And, you know, and I'm not saying that this will change people from being believers, not at all. But some of the fears that they have, you know, we could probably, you know, help them to understand some of these things, you know, like, like sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night but you can't move your your body, you know, and that's called sleep paralysis. But within some religious circles, you know, you know they, um, you know, I forget what they say. You have a witch on your back or a demon on your back, something like that. It's been so long since I've you know read that particular um, type of analysis. But it's it's important for you guys to go out and read this and to get a better understanding. So, again, like I said, go and get that article by Brittany Cooper talking about the gas lighting of the Black Lives Matter movement, and you'll understand better, you know, what, you know, she's talking about, what we're dealing with out here. And it's not just white conservatives out here saying this. You have a lot of black conservatives out here, too. And what you see happening nowadays just across the board, you know, and, and see they've trained the public, you know. And I mean, I'm always talking about the media and how you can't necessarily believe and trust everything that you hear and see on the news because there's a lot of propaganda out there. And that's why I encourage people to read sites like Al Jazeera, go out to the BBC site, you know, uh, you know I like Ultramed and a number of other news sources. Go out there and read and see what, you know, what they're reporting in other countries because in many cases what they're reporting in other countries is, is, is way more documented than what they're reporting over here. So, you know, again, you know, we had to force them to cover what was happening in Ferguson and what was happening in Baltimore and all of these protests all over the United States as well as outside of the United States. We had people, you know, protesting in solidarity with us in Palestine, in England, Germany, you know, the Netherlands. I mean, and, and so on, and it goes on. And so, you know, that's why, you know, when I when I talk on the show and I talk about, you know, us understanding what's happening 
in other countries. This is why I post what happens to some of the black people in Italy, some of the black people in in France, and, you know, some of the difficulties that they're experiencing over there as well. Because, you know, we're going to do three shows on white identity politics. And, you know, I'm going to talk about, you know, the anti-blackness and capitalism and how capitalism, you can't have capitalism without racism, you know, and how it's all tied together. You know, I mean, we're going to talk about how we, as people of color, contribute to white supremacy. And, you know, I've been wanting to have that talk and to do that show for a while. I just didn't think that we were ready to have that conversation at that time, but, we're ready now. I mean, we we have to have that conversation and we have to talk about it. But, again, you're having these movements all around the world. And I just want to make sure that people understand that, you know, there is a world outside the United States of America. You know, as a matter of fact, Miss Universe, who's from Canada, who's indigenous, as soon as she won the Miss Universe um, pageant, she immediately started talking about the plight of Native Americans in Canada, and that applies to the Native Americans in America as well. So there are a number of different conversations that need to be had. But, we again, we want you to be politically and culturally conscious as to what's happening out here. And in this regard, when I say culturally conscious, you know what's happening in America and why they're trying to crush certain movements, why they are trying to demonize and vilify, you know, um, different people out here who are advocating and protesting and marching for social justice, you know, racial parity, you know, all of these things. And so it's just as important. I remember many, many moons ago when Whoopi Goldberg, Willie Nelson, Billy Crystal, and a number of them, they were giving these, um, you know, rallies and concerts for the homeless. You know, they were really, you know, getting behind that and, you know, out here trying to help the homeless people in this country. I posted an article yesterday in which it was talking about how Hawaii is taking old buses and converting them into homeless shelters that include showers. And so, you know, that that right there, that's needed. You know, I have to give credit to Hosea Williams down in Atlanta. You know, he's, he's you know, passed on, but he started the homeless, you know, Thanksgiving program in which, you know, they would, you know, help the homeless out, feed them, um, cut their hair, give them clothing, allow them to shower. And after he passed away, his daughter took over and, you know, it went only, you know, she she expanded it. So it was not only Thanksgiving, but it was Christmas, so on and so forth. So, you know, you have these different movements out here. It doesn't have to be this this grand scale. You know, um, Travis, Travis Simmons from um, Funny to the Moon. I remember a couple of years ago he was out in the park feeding the homeless. You know, and I believe him and Tana had done that on, you know, numerous occasions. You know, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot. You know, you can go out here and you can do a lot of this on your own. And so I just kind of wanted to kind of give you all some indication as to the different movements that have been out here. You know, again, you have. And and some of the movements that I'm going to mention, I don't necessarily – support all of these different movements. But, you know, I'll recognize them because, again, you know, there are different things that I can tie it to within, you know, my subjects. But for the most part, I'm just going to just read it off and, you know, you take it as you will. You have people out here that are part of the 9-11 Truth Movement, which has been quite interesting. Um, The Animal animal Rights Movement, Again, over in Africa, the anti-apartheid movement, even though we are experiencing apartheid in this country, you know, some of the movements that are taking place in this country definitely, you know, are anti-apartheid. Um, anti-consumerism, uh, you know, you got an anti-globalization, you had the Arab Spring. And what was interesting about the Arab Spring and the Pink Spring is that you had people in the United States 
you know, uh, supporting them and, yeah, great job, yeah, you don't have to take that. But as soon as people of color, black people in this country, started rising up saying we're not taking this anymore, now their tone has changed. So I just, you know, I want you guys to think about that. I want you guys to think about it, pay attention, and see what's happening out here. So, you know, again, Black Lives Matter movement, um, you had the Chicano movement, which is still taking place, the children's rights movement, and that's something that I definitely advocate for. I believe that they need more publicity. They need more supporters out here for children's rights because, again, your children are not your property. Your children are not chattel. They're little human beings growing up to be big human beings. So, again, that, again, the civil rights movement, um, you have the conservation movement, you know, and, and again, (laughs) you have conservation, you know, now we're talking about green energy and, you know, um, clean fuel and all of that. And, you know, some of these are different movements, and that's okay. You know, quite a few of them overlap. So go out there and, you know, pay attention to what's happening. You know, I know I posted an article on my wall earlier this week, and it was talking about how, you know, these corporations are making quite a bit of money, millions, billions, you know, of dollars, and you know, from black people that have been lead poisoned. And I know Raina and I talked about, you know, some of the lead paint and how some of the children were eating the chips of the lead paint because it was sweet. And, you know, these companies are making millions and millions of dollars because, you know, quite a few children, not just black children, but just children across the board, that have been lead poisoned, you know, adults that have been lead poisoned. I don't, I don't want to leave out the adults because many of us are being lead poisoned too. So, you know, it's important that, you know, you guys, you guys go out there and look that up. Um, the counterterrorism movement, you know, which is, you know, what's interesting. Um, there were a couple of stories this week about the TSA, And, you know, I understand that they're there to try to keep us safe, but, you know, we're going to have to talk about that. And so, you know, again, um, the disability rights movement, that definitely needs more publicity. They need more people to support them and and put this out here. And because in Chicago, I think it was last week, it may have been a week before, it turns into a big blur, y'all, but um, we had a a disabilities um, protest and rally downtown Chicago right on Michigan Avenue. And basically, you know, you had the people in the wheelchairs, people with their walkers, all of that out there. And so what they were doing, the police, they were issuing tickets and, you know, trying to push them along because those of you who know Chicago or live here, you understand, they went out there during a time when it was kind of like rush hour. So needless to say, traffic was locked up. And so, you know, you saw these disabled people out there protesting. And had I known they were out there, I definitely would have been there because, you know, it was magnificent to see that, to see them, you know, protesting for their rights. You know, and again, that's another group that has been extremely marginalized. And that's why I feel that, you know, all of these movements here that are happening currently, a lot of this is overlapping, and we need to start working together a lot more. Um, You know, you have the labor union movement happening, especially since you have people like um, Walker from Wisconsin who's running for president. If he wins, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. But, you know, you have these labor unions out here that are protesting. Now, one thing I do know is that with Black Lives Matter Chicago, that, you know, they work in conjunction with some of the unions and they support one another, and this is something that needs to happen across the board. Um, Black Lives Matter, period, needs to try to find a way to work with these different labor unions and these, these, you know, protesters that are part of the labor movement because that's we're definitely going to need their support. And quite a few people of color 
you know, work, you know, um, within some of these unions, and and it's just it's important that we understand what's happening there. And so, you know, you have a lot of stuff. Have the Dream Act, you know, that there, you know, with you know there are immigrants and people that have come to this country. And what I find so unfair in the media when they're talking about immigrants, you know, and they point to the immigrants coming from Mexico and South America, so, you know, Latino, Chicano, Hispanic, Mestizo, you know, you have all of these different categories there. And so, and you know, I haven't even touched them all, but, you know, that's, you, you feel where I'm coming from. And so they're being unfairly targeted, and they are. They're being mistreated. They're being, you know, paid slave wages. I mean, it's it's just crazy what these people are dealing with. I mean, just to get from their country to the United States, you know, that, that trek itself is dangerous. You're having women and children that are being raped and killed, men that are being, you know, killed. I, and I'm, I probably can assume that they're being raped as well in some cases. I don't know. You know, but we know that it's dangerous, and, you know, it's happening. It's happening. So now, you know, they're being scapegoated in the same way that blacks have been scapegoated and still are being scapegoated. I posted an article this week, and basically, you know, it said the anchor baby is the new crack baby. And I'll repeat that. The anchor baby is the new crack baby. And so, you know, that's a very good article. I think it was in Ebony. So it's, it's important. Go and read that and see what's happening and see how these groups are being marginalized even further. And they're being picked on. And what's interesting is when Donald Trump and Jeb Bush were talking about, you know, anchor babies, I found it interesting when um, – <laughs> You know, they're talking, they're saying, you know, they're talking about Asians. And, again, you know, this is where some of the cognitive dissonance comes in. Just in, you know, certain respects, Asians are supposed to be the model minority. At least that's how the American press and a lot of these politicians try to, you know, box them in. And if they're the model, you know, minority, now you're saying they're having anchor babies. It makes no sense. And so, you know, again, you know, with the Asian community, let me tell you guys, they are out there protesting. Many of them have not, you know, fit into that model minority trope or narrative that they're putting out there. They're saying, no, if you go back and look, in, look into the Asian history, particularly in the United States, you will see that they they were out there marching with us with the Black Power Movement. They were marching with us through, you know, the Civil Rights Movement, and, they, and many of them stand in solidarity with us now. So, you know, again, it's important for you guys to understand this and to understand what's happening here. Because this is actually really a global movement, and it's not just about black people. You know, it's about all people to a certain degree that are marginalized. You know, but in in this case, we're out here marching for Black Lives Matter because, again, the situation and the way that the political and cultural climate is in America right now the black community is actually in worse shape than it was before the 50s and the 60s. That's why you hear some of these people saying they want to take their country back and they want to go back in time. They're trying to put us back in Jim Crow and Reconstruction. Well, it was Reconstruction for white people and destruction for black people, but that's another story. But, you know, guys, it's important that you understand what they're saying and the terminology that they're putting out there. And, again, you know, the Doug Dynasty guy, I think his name is Phil Ferguson, I don't know, it's the Doug Dynasty guy. And when he was talking about he felt that blacks were happier during Jim Crow days, not taking into account that if we acted as though we weren't happy, that we would be beat, you know, in the middle of the street. You know, you had people, white people, just, you know, killing and beating people out in the street with impunity. Kind of like the same stuff that's happening now. So, um, you know, even with the case with Jordan Davis 
in Florida that white man, you know, told them to turn music down, and when they pretty much ignored him, he turned around and he shot and killed, you know, Jordan Davis. Now, you know, he's in jail for life now, but please understand that that was not the only, you know, um, situation like that, that that has ever happened. You know, there have been numerous occasions in which black people, you know, were victimized by white people because we were, quote, unquote, sassing them. Because that's basically what this is all about. You know, we shouldn't be out here sassing white people. And it's just, wow, guys, it's important for you guys to go back and understand and know what's happening. And so, you know, you got feminism movements and, you know, they they talk about feminine, feminism movements in waves. And there are some, you know, you know, it's articles and push back on a lot of different levels for a number of things. Go out there and, and read and, and find out, you know, personally, you know, some of that stuff is just ridiculous. And like I said, you've heard me say on the show, some of these people just find reasons to fight. It's like, it's, it's just interesting. But you Raina brought up last week the free love movement. And so and she was um, talking about there were rumors that Sojourner Truth was part of the free love movement, and we don't know. We're still looking the information up. But, you know, go and um, take a look and see what you find. You know, a lot of this is fun, you know, reading and researching and finding out this information. And so, you know, again, human rights movement, you know, that's taking place now because one of the, you know, small conflicts that I'm seeing now is some people are saying that instead of civil rights movement, it should be called human rights movement. And so there is some back and forth, you know, about that. Um, You have indigenous people's movement, the Native Americans, you know, and they've been out there protesting. And, you know, the atrocities that have happened to indigenous people, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that they're living with and some of the things that they have to do. I mean, before they can, you know, they're supposed to be sovereign nations. And before they can, you know, change anything, it has to go through the federal government. It has to go through Congress. And so it's just really interesting because, you know, you know, quite a few indigenous women are being raped by, you know, um, um, you know, white men, come on, let's call it for what it is. And the white men are not being prosecuted, or they weren't. So, you know, now that's changing. There have been some laws passed. Go and read that. And, you know, again, the labor movement, I touched on that. Um, <laughs> I don't even really want to touch this, but, you know, you have a men's rights movement, you know, going on out there. So men's rights. And that's about all the attention I'm giving them. Let's move on. Um, You know, you had Occupy Wall Street, the Occupy movement, which is still ongoing. And we're seeing some wonderful things, you know, coming out of that movement. And, you know, the Occupy people are working with the Black Lives Matter people. They're working with the ISO movement. I talked about that, which is International Socialist Organization Movement. And if you go and you look at some of the, you know, people that that we see as heroes and that we admire from some of these movements in the past, many of them were associated with, you know, the Socialist Party, the Communist Party, and there have been a number of other parties out there that, you know, just haven't gotten the exposure that it needs for people to understand what's happening. So, you know, you have the pro-life movement that's out here. Um, So, yeah, you know, anti-choice movement, some people call them. And so, again, it's a lot. You know, I would just say go out there, do some reading. Um, You know, Tea Party, I can't, you know, not mention them. You know, your Tea Party movement. And, again, you know, when I talk about the Tea Partiers, you know, I'm talking about those people that are out here, and they really want to take us all the way back. They want to take us all the way back to the early 1800s, which is not necessarily a good time period for, you know, black people. So, again, you know, it's really interesting. You do have some black tea partiers out there. 
And one of the reasons, you know, you have the Tea Party movement and you have these people out here protesting is because they want a new social contract, okay? And that's tied into the anti-blackness and, you know, some of the issues that we see popping up now. And so, again, go out and do some research. You know, they had a student movement, you know, a student movement, and that was then and it's happening now. So it's just it's, it's important for you guys, and not only just the movements here in America, you know, the movements over, you know, in other countries as well. Um, in South Africa, which is a country, Africa is a continent. South Africa is a country. You know, they had the unemployed people's movement, you know, and even the vegans have a movement. So, you know, guys, go, 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 go and research and look this stuff up. It's extremely important that you understand what's happening around you and why and what kind of led to, you know, some of these situations. And... You know, it's just, you know, there's history, there's information. You need to know this. And that's why, you know, as I've stated before, you know, as I've stated before, um, you know, there are a number of things that, you know, we need to talk about, we need to research, we need to get a better understanding of. And, um, you know, guys, these are people's lives, you know, people's lives. So, again, I would say go out and do some history research. Um, You know, I would tell you all to go and look up the history of the British Black Panthers, you know, and I'm going to post some stuff about that today, but, you know, they had... You know, absolutely, you know, amazing legacy there. So, you know, go and look that up. I'm going to post um, a video on Vimeo. I believe I'm going to post it. But, again, you know, even in America, you know, you had some, you know, black people in the South, you know, the communist movement uh, in the South. And, again, go look this up. I know I posted it on my wall. It was um, from Truthout, I believe, and I'm looking for it now so I can give you the name of the article. And I hate when I do that and I can't find it. But I posted it, and I'm going to post it again. But basically it was um, it, it took place in Alabama, and they were out there and they were able to successfully protest against, um, you know, the government basically holding them back. And if it was a communist movement, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking for it now. And it was talking about how this movement basically could teach some things to the Black Lives Matter movement and, Let's see here. All right, here it is. The title of the article is What a Band of 20th Century Alabama Communists Can Teach Black Lives Matter and the Offspring of Occupy. And so it's talking about um, Robin D.G. Kelly and his book, Hammer and Ho, and it's the 25th anniversary. And so, yeah, it's talking about Alabama's forgotten black communists and, you know, the knowledge that they can um, offer, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and the other movements that are taking place today. So, again, I just wanted to, again, touch on this and encourage you guys to go out here and read some of these, you know, articles and do some research on your own. Because, again, I'm going to post this one article that I have, and it's talking about, you know, some of the different movements that took place in the past and now, and it's talking about the Asian health services, um, 
Galleria de la Raza, and I'm sure you are probably familiar with the La Raza movement, um, you know, the Chinese Progressive Association, um, Color of Change, and I know we post a lot of articles from Color of Change, um, Green for All, you have the Kearney Street Workshop, and the Elevator Center for Human Rights, and so, you know, you have a number of things. And like I said, with the Black Panthers movement, you know, you had the Gray Panthers, you had the Brown Berets, you had the Young Lords. I'm telling you guys, you know, go out there and read. It's a wealth of information. You know, the United, United Farm Workers Movement, the Native American AIDS Project. Now, that was a new one for me. I did not realize that the Native Americans had an AIDS project. So, and then they had the Intertribal Friendship House. Just a lot of wonderful things happening out here. And unfortunately, many of us, um, you know, miss out on these things because it's like, why aren't they out here protesting? They are. We just have to find a way to, to communicate with one another and try to find a way to work together. And, you know, there was an article that was put out, you know, and it was talking about the labor movement pushing to get more black women in charge and, you know, all of this in the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, I would just say they need to start reaching out to the union. I'm not saying that they have it. They probably have. I don't know. So, you know, don't take that and twist it. I do not know. You know, and they seem to have all of their bases covered, so I'm more than positive that they've reached out to the AFL-CIO and, you know, the number of other unions that are out here. So, you know, we'll find out, you know, as time goes on. But, um, yeah, yeah, go out here. You know, there's a lot of information out here. Um, and, and basically, if you want to understand a little bit more about where Black Lives Matter is coming from and why it's important, is you know, you guys may want to go out here and look up black radical tradition. And I'm going to post a couple of articles. I may even post a couple of PDFs. But it's important that, you know, again, if we're going to have any type of conversation about race in this country, we must include that, black radicalism. We must include, you know, Latino radicalism, you know, Asian radicalism, indigenous radicalism. You know, because, you know, with these, you know, particular groups, they are fighting against systemic racism and racial inequality in our country and the judicial system and in the laws. So, again, you know, you guys, we're going to wrap it up. But, you know, I appreciate your calling, your listening. We're going to put this out there. I'm going to post some links and we will be talking about this again soon. All right, everybody, you all enjoy yourselves. Thank you for listening to the archives, listening live. We appreciate you. Um, this Sunday we're going to be talking about the prosperity gospel of Donald Trump. And the three weeks, three Sundays after that, we will be talking about white identity politics so I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to getting some feedback from you guys. All right, you have a good one. Take care. Thanks, everybody. And, again, this is Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. I'm Kim. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.